Well, good morning and welcome to each one of you. And I too want to wish you a blessed and happy Easter, and especially today as we celebrate Palm Sunday. Well, Palm Sunday, as you know, commemorates Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. When palm branches were placed in his path and the people shouted praises, this led up to his arrest and then crucifixion, and it is the mark of Holy Week. It is the beginning and mark of Holy Week. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21 as we read the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem? Matthew chapter 21, and if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Starting from verse 1, it says, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and, he, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. As Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this Palm Sunday. And Lord, indeed, we thank you for your holy word, and we pray that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would come and minister, and that you would teach us something new. And so, God, may you minister to each one and help us to be obedient to respond to your leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. As Jesus traveled with his disciples on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus knew what the week ahead held. He knew that this was going to be an extremely difficult week for him. He knew that leading up, there would be many events that would take place, and eventually there would come his arrest and his crucifixion. Many times before this week, Jesus tried to explain to his disciples what was going to happen. He tried to tell them about the death and the resurrection and tried to explain to them, but they didn't fully understand he tried, but they didn't fully get and were not prepared for what was going to take place. All they knew in going with him into Jerusalem was that 
they, he needed them to be there and that they were there with him for this week especially. You see, there are times in our life where we may not necessarily understand what our family members and our loved ones are going through. They may try to explain to us how they feel or what's happening in their life, but we may not necessarily understand because unless we ourselves go through something similar, we just don't really understand the, the full extent to which people feel, right? So sometimes it's, it's better to say, you know, I don't know what you're going through because we often say, I understand how you feel. Most of the time we don't. Because unless we've walked in their path and walked in their shoes, we don't fully understand. And even if you're going through something similar, you don't fully understand what someone else is going through. But what we do understand is that in those times of need and in those times of great difficulty, oftentimes what people truly need is for us to just be there for them. Even when we don't understand, be there for others in their time of need. Be there for others in their time of need. This may seem quite simple, but you see, for the disciples, they were there for Jesus. Whether they realized the purpose of why they were there or not, they were that support for him. This was a difficult week, and although Jesus was God in the flesh, he was still human. And he still needed that support, that comfort, that friendship, that, uh, that presence of someone else there. And that's what those disciples were there for. Sarah and Natasha are going to come up here for a second. It's important that when people are going through difficulty in life, that we are there for one another. That we are there to support, to pray for, to encourage, to strengthen, to be there for them. And many times we don't realize how significant and meaningful it is for other people. Girls, come over here. These are sisters. This is Sarah and this is Natasha. And Sarah in her hand has uh, a kettlebell. Do you know what a kettlebell is? Okay, so if you don't, it's a 20-pound weight, all right? And this is quite heavy. Now, Sarah, is this heavy for you? It is, it is heavy, okay. But, but you're holding it with one hand. So Sarah's holding this kettlebell. And I want you to think of this kettlebell, if you just can hold it up. You can use both hands right now. If you just hold it up. I want you to think of this kettlebell that Sarah's holding as the burden that you may feel. Or the burden that someone else may feel. You see... 20 pounds is a lot of weight, but, you know, most of us fully grown adults would have no problem lifting that, right? But imagine having to carry that around with you day after day after day. But not only carry around this weight, Sarah, use one hand. Because in addition to having this burden that you're carrying around, you're still expected to do everything else that you need to do in life. So you need that other hand free, right? You need that other hand to be able to function and take care of yourself, take care of your family, work, go to school, do what you have to do. So you still need to be able to, to have the ability to do those things. But over time, that weight, carrying around that burden can weigh us down so much to the point where we need two hands. 
where we need to hold it because those burdens can consume us to the point where we feel so overwhelmed, we feel so weighed down that we can't focus on anything else and that's all we have to do because those are the things that come upon us and, and that, that's the, the main thing that right now that's overtaking. But Sarah, if you allow your sister to hold the other side of that and you both are sharing that weight or that burden, is it a little bit more manageable? It's a little bit more manageable, right? You see, the Lord tells us to share in each other's burdens so that we don't have to carry that around ourselves. We are there to share in those burdens, to encourage one another. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. You see, when we share and we carry a part of that load, you're already holding it. But imagine if I now helped you and I held the bottom. Is that even lighter for you? So you're able to do even more because you have another person there carrying. And then if someone else came, and then another person, and another person, it takes the weight off. Thank you, ladies, you can put that down there. Give them a round of applause, thank you. You see, that's what it means to share in each other's burdens. That's what it means to help carry the burden, carry the weight, so that as a body of Christ, as a family of God, that is what we are expected to do with each other. That's expected of us as a family of God. And you see, it's okay if we don't understand what someone else is going through. It's okay if we're not going through that and we have no idea how they feel because simply sometimes all someone may need is for you to just be there, is for you to just listen, is for you to just cry with them, for you to just laugh with them, for you to just sit quietly in their midst. Sometimes all someone needs is just to know that they are not alone in this, to know that there is someone else who cares and who loves them. Your prayers, your presence, your emotional support is more appreciated than you may realize. When they've just lost a loved one, when they're battling a court situation, when they've just received terrible news, when they've been in an accident, when they're feeling lonely and hopeless, when so many things seem to be going wrong all at once, when they're going in for surgery. You see, we are to help other people. We're to be there for other people and to encourage them because not only are we told to in the Bible as a family of God to rejoice with each other, but to mourn with each other, but you know why we should also be there for each other? Because there will be a day that comes when we need that support as well. There will be a time that comes where we will need somebody in our corner, someone encouraging us and carrying us and helping us push through. And you see, that's the blessing that we have in belonging to the family of God. That's the blessing that we have in belonging to a church family, that we can encourage one another, that we can call upon someone to pray with us, that we can call upon someone to encourage us or to remind us when we feel lonely that that God is with us, whatever it may be. May you be there for others in their time of need. The disciples were there 
for Jesus when he needed them. Even though they didn't understand, even though they didn't realize the extent of their presence in this week especially, leading up to his crucifixion, they were there for him. So when they came to Bethphage, Jesus sent two of his disciples to go to the next village. He sent them specifically to bring the donkey and its colt to him. So not only did Jesus tell these two disciples what he needed, but notice that he gives them specific instructions, right? In, in this verse, it says, as soon as you enter, that is the town, as soon as you enter it, the town, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. He gives them specific instructions, I'm going to tell you something about my husband. <laughs> and you may think, you know, I realized the other day, I probably only tell you the bad things about him, right? <laughs> there are good things. And when I find them, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so, so my husband, and I, I tell you these things because now I can pick on him, right? I have someone to pick on. Um, my husband needs me. And he, yeah, he does. Um, and... And if for no other reason, it's to help him find things. So there are times when I would get a call from him, and, and he would say, Lisa, where is this thing? I can't find it, and I'm in a rush, and I need to go. And so not only do I have to tell him where, you know, whatever it is that he needs, but I have to give him specific instructions. Does this happen to anybody else? Okay, so I know some of you will just say, oh, go bring that thing, right? And then you're like, what thing, right? This, this doesn't work here. So I have to tell him specific instructions like, okay, walk into the kitchen and look on the left side. Open the cupboard over the knife block. Look on the top shelf. Okay, make sure you look behind the cereal box. Like, I have to give him specific instructions because otherwise he won't be able to find it. But you know why I can give him specific instructions? Because I put it there. <laughs> and I know exactly where that thing is that he needed. So I'm able to give him specific instructions on where to find it. You see, the Lord not only told these two disciples to go into the next town over to get these, the, the donkey and its colt, but he was specifically able to tell them where they would find it, what they would be doing, and, and give specific instructions about it. You know why? Because he put them there. Because he knew that that's where they would be because he had already planned out what was going to happen. You see, the Lord prepares for our situations in advance, even before we get there. The Lord prepares for our situation in advance, even before we get there, even before we realize that that's what we need. Before the Israelites faced the Red Sea, God had already prepared Moses with the staff he needed to part it. Before Abraham could sacrifice his only son Isaac, God had already prepared the ram that was stuck in the thicket that to be used as a sacrifice instead. 
You see, before the crowd of over 5,000 plus people who were there when Jesus was teaching became hungry, he had already prepared the little boy to come with the five loaves and two fish. He is a God who prepares for our situations in advance. He is a God who knows what we need even before we need it and even before we get there. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. Don't be stressed out and doubtful about what you are going through right now. Trust that God, God the creator, God the sustainer, God who knows all, sees all, has no limits to his power and ability, is working things out for you before you even need it before you even get there, before you even realize the need that you have, God is working behind the scenes for the very thing that you're going to need, for the very thing that you are going through right now, for the very thing that you wonder how you're going to make it through, how you're going to get through to the other side. He is working on your answer to the prayer before you even pray it. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, says, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still taking, talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Wow. Wow, that God would know what we need even before we ask. God is preparing that situation in advance before you even get there. Remember, I, I just told you about how my husband, I have to give him step-by-step -step guidance, right? I just told you that, where to find something. You see, if I don't give him step-by-step -step guidance, he's the kind of person that is likely to take the wrong object and, and likely to pick up the wrong thing and, and, and not even necessarily realize it sometimes, right? Uh, because he doesn't, he doesn't always uh, think about things the way I do, right? We're, we're just different like that. But you see, when we choose not to listen to God's instructions, not to listen to his voice or to listen to how he's leading us or what he's telling us, that's when we're often left picking up the wrong object. That's when we're often left doing something that wasn't God's will in the first place. That's why we're often left wondering, God, did I really hear you? Because things just aren't working out. Because there are times where we may think we hear God, but if it's not really God, then we end up doing the wrong thing. And that's why it's so important that we make sure that we hear from God. That we make sure that when we're praying a prayer, that we know that it's not just what we want, but it's what God wants for us. Because when we follow God's instruction, when we obey his voice and his leading, then he will always prepare for us in advance. We always know that we will get the right thing. John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says, My father is always working, and so am I. God is always working. He is always at work behind the scenes. You know, one thing that has really helped my prayer life is for me to realize that I don't know what tomorrow holds, and you don't know what tomorrow holds, and, and, and I don't always know exactly what I need or exactly what I'm going to want in the future, 
right? I mean, we have an idea of what we may need and, and what we may want. So it's natural for me to want to pray for certain things that I think I need and I think I want, right? But isn't it amazing to know that God already knows what tomorrow holds? That God already knows what our future holds because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And because God is the only one who's already been in my tomorrow, I pray, God, I may not know what I want and what I need, but you've already been there. And so give me what you know I need. Prepare me even now for the things that I will need for the future. And you see, when we start to pray those kind of prayers, then we see God's hand move and work and prepare for our situation in advance. Because he is a God who prepares for us even before we get there. He is a God who knows what we need and he's able to give it to us. But that also means that sometimes he leads us in ways that we don't understand. Because in leading us in ways we don't understand, he's preparing us for the things that we don't yet know we need. Do you see that? Because the disciples were told to go and bring the donkey. Now, they didn't realize why they needed to go and do this. And they were probably upset at the fact that, why do we have to go and bring this donkey? Right? But God was already using them to prepare for what he knew was going to happen. And so sometimes even when we don't understand, we have to trust him. So the two disciples go and they bring back to Jesus what he asks for. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the colt, it says, Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So we see here that some of those who were in the crowd spread their garments or clothes or cloaks or, you know, whatever it was that they had, and others decided that they were going to go and cut branches. So the question I have is, was one more significant than the other? The answer is no. It's just that they chose to do different things with what they had. Right? It wasn't more significant that some put down their cloaks or garments or clothes and others went and cut branches and laid them on ahead of him. They used what they had and even though they were different, it was still okay. They praised Jesus as he was entering. They simply chose to do things differently and that's okay. You see, it's okay to do things differently than other people because we're all different. It's okay for you to do things differently than someone else because God, excuse me, God has made us all special and unique. In Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14, it says, you alone created my inmost being. You knit me together inside my mother. I will give thanks to you because I have been so amazingly and miraculously made. Your works are miraculous, and my soul is fully aware of this. You see, God has made you so special and so unique. He has made you different than any other person that has ever existed and will ever exist. You alone are you. And this is why it's important for us not to try to be like someone else. 
Why do you want to be like someone else when God has made you, you? When God has made you so special that no one else can be you, only you can. And so it's important for us to embrace who we are. It's important for us to be thankful for who we are. And it's important for us to accept that others will be different and that's okay. Now, you probably know this about me, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist sometimes. And so what that means is I like things a certain way, right? So, you know, this is where the, the difference between my husband and I come in here now, right? He, he's different than I am. I like the laundry folded a certain way. He's okay shoving something into the drawer. Uh, don't support this, Pastor Nick. Um, I like the dishwasher packed a certain way, right? Because it only makes sense then more things can fit. He will just put things wherever he can find them, right? Um, you know, I like the bed made a certain way. He's okay just pushing the covers over and, you know, I'm going to sleep in there tonight again. You know, so there's a difference in how we do things. And so I've really had to say to myself, Lisa, even though you like things a certain way, it's okay that he does them differently. Amen. <laughs> I know some of you are guilty of this, okay? So don't be looking at me like I'm the only one, okay? So it's okay that we don't necessarily do things like everyone else because we're not like everyone else. We are different and we are unique. And just because someone does something differently doesn't mean that you're right and they're wrong or vice versa. It simply means that it's just different and that's okay. It's okay to do things differently. It's okay to get married later in life when your family got married in their 20s. It's okay to work at a job that pays minimum wage when your spouse may make more money than you. It's okay to go back to school as an adult and finish your degree later in life. It's okay to rent your home instead of owning it right now. It's okay to be musical instead of athletic. It's okay to raise your children differently than you were raised. It's okay to worship the Lord differently than the person sitting next to you. You see, it's okay to be different because we are different. We are special and we are unique. And you know, it's actually a slap in God's face when we try to be someone else because we're not embracing who he's made us to be. If you look around, you see people who are all different than you are. And some may look the same, but there will never be someone who is exactly the same. Even when you look at twins, right, Erica? There are differences in your daughters. Even though they look similar, I can't tell them apart half the time, but you know, you can <laughs> because you see those differences. And this is God's creativity. The billions of people that he has made is his creativity because he is a God who is more than able. And he is 
made us each different and unique. Embrace the person that God has made you to be, and it's okay to do things differently. So the people worship the Lord differently by some laying down their branches and others laying down their garments. And as Jesus entered Jerusalem, riding in, the crowds of people shouted praises to God. Now naturally, when there is a commotion or when there's something happening, people want to know what's happening, right? People want to know what's happening. It's the same thing if there's an accident on the road. Traffic's moving slow, not because there's anything wrong with the traffic, but because everyone wants to see what's happening, right? Because naturally, people want to know what's going on. So, of course, it says in verse 10, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The crowds were happy that Jesus had come. They were happy that he was there, so they joyfully proclaimed who it was. They proclaimed this Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, had come. And they were partially correct. They were correct that, yes, it was Jesus, and yes, he was from Nazareth in Galilee. However, Jesus wasn't a prophet, you see, many people today acknowledge Jesus, but don't recognize him for who he truly is. Many people still today recognize Jesus. They recognize he is someone who existed in history. They recognize that he was alive during this time period. They recognize who he was during that time, but they truly don't recognize him for who he is. The people in that day recognized Jesus' power, his authority, and his ability to even perform miracles. But most failed to recognize him for who he was and still is, God himself. God himself. You see, Jesus was and is not only the son of God, but God himself, Jesus incarnate, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He was literally God walking amongst the people in human flesh and form. And the people didn't accept Jesus as Messiah because he didn't come from, he didn't look like, he didn't talk and act the way they expected a king would. So that's why people rejected him as the Messiah, because how could this man who was born in, you know, a major, who, who came from, from this little town, who, who lives and, and dwells and talks with sinners and who dresses like that and who doesn't have a kingdom, how could this be our Messiah? Because he simply didn't look the part. And you see, too many people still today Acknowledge Jesus existed, but don't recognize him as God himself. Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father because they are one. Because they are the same. God is one and he chooses to reveal himself to us in three ways. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's one God in three ways. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And what's the other part? The Word was God. Because they are one. 
because they are the same. You see, my friends, Jesus wasn't just someone who was important in history. He is the one who changed history forever. Jesus wasn't just an important figure in that day, but he is important in our lives and our hearts. And so my question to you is, do you just know about Jesus? Or do you truly know him as your Savior and your Lord? Do you recognize him for who he truly is? Not because he was just a good person or he taught good values or he did great things, but because you recognize him as God and God alone. Because that's who he is. The people praised him because they wanted to be saved from what was happening in that day, the political issues that were going on in that day. And Jesus came to save them, but just in a different way than they expected. Jesus came to save them for eternity. You see, he deserves to be acknowledged in our hearts and in our lives because salvation is found in no one else. The crowds welcomed him in expecting and hoping to be saved, but they truly didn't get the purpose that he came for. Tom Barnard writes, the crowd was clueless. They really never got it. They shouted praises. He wept. They looked for a warrior king riding a white stallion. They got a carpenter riding a donkey. They wanted hype. They got a healer. They wanted a prophet. They got the one who fulfilled prophecy. They wanted a scepter. They got a savior. They got nothing they had asked for, but everything they needed. Only they never got it. They were clueless. Jesus was the only one who truly knew what was going on on that first Palm Sunday. You see, today as we celebrate Palm Sunday, I don't want you to miss what has happened. I don't want you to leave just knowing that Jesus entered Jerusalem on this day and it marks Passion Week, the Holy Week. But I want you to truly understand who he is and what he wants to be in your life. He wants to be your Savior, your Messiah, your Lord. Have you made that decision? Because don't leave here without making it. God is more than able to do what we could never imagine, dream, or think. And it's important for us to recognize who he truly is in our life. May we learn these lessons from Palm Sunday. May we learn to be there for others in their time of need. May we remember and to realize that the Lord prepares us for our situations in advance even before we get there. May we remember that it's okay to be different and do things differently because God has made us different. And may we truly recognize Jesus for who he is, God himself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your power and your authority. And we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed to us in different ways who you are and what you want from us. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today, those here physically and those online, that you would touch their hearts and their lives, 
that you would help us, oh God, in every way to learn from this passage of scripture. Lord, may you encourage us and remind us to be there for each other and, and, and to encourage and support others in their time of need. Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows what we need even before we ask. And so just as you prepared those donkeys to be there before the disciples even got there, we pray that whatever is going on in the lives of your people today, that you would already start sending the answer to the prayer even before they've prayed it because we know that you are faithful and you are good. Father, help us to embrace the unique and special individual that you have made us to be. God, we're not perfect, but we thank you that we strive to be more and more like you. And we pray that you would help us, oh God. And above all, may we truly acknowledge you as Savior and Lord of our life. We thank you. We bless your name. We give you the highest praise. And we pray that you would help us to always put you at the center of our lives. We ask that you would come and that you would be the center, that you would remove all else and that you would help us to focus on you and to truly worship you for who you are. In the powerful name of your son Jesus, we pray, amen.